It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, August 25th, 2023. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. According to a new state report, nearly 200 Alaska Native or American Indian people went missing between the beginning of April and the end of June in Alaska this year. Two dozen of them have not been found. Violence against American Indian and Alaska Native people far exceeds the national average, and Alaska has one of the highest rates of missing and murdered Indigenous people in the United States. The problem especially affects women and girls. As reported in the Alaska Beacon, the document is the work of Governor Dunleavy's Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Council, which was established in December 2021. When the Alaska Department of Public Safety learned that communities and nonprofit organizations wanted more access to data, the department began work this spring on the Missing Alaska Natives and American Indians report. DPS spokesperson Austin McDaniel said, This is certainly the first effort by the Department of Public Safety, as well as the state's troopers, to produce a report that is this detailed. McDaniel said the report is a public tool for policymakers and the community to better understand the scope of the issue in the state. So far, the Department of Public Safety is working through the Alaska State Troopers and with the Anchorage Police Department, but McDaniel said officials hope to expand their work by partnering with other police departments in the state. The report will be published quarterly. Alaska business experts say the ongoing child care crisis is hurting the state's employers and the economy. This is a problem that is impacting their bottom line. It's impacting their ability to recruit and retain. It's impacting the morale and the, the happiness of the employee. Katie Capozzi is president of the Alaska Chamber, the state's largest business advocacy group. She's also a member of the task force started by Governor Mike Dunleavy this year to address child care issues in the state. Capozzi presented a report from the chamber to the task force at its meeting Wednesday that took a look at how child care impacts the state's businesses and economy. A major takeaway, the state is losing a lot of money annually because of child care issues. We found that about $152 million are missing from the Alaskan economy because of people either choosing not to be in the workforce or working less. She says that roughly a third of Alaska workers with children at home reported missing work in the last year because of child care issues. She attributes the problem to several factors, including a lack of available child care spots for children in urban areas and child care deserts for more rural Alaskans. Kaposi says for workers in the child care field, it's difficult to stay afloat, especially after the pandemic. A lot of child care centers decided to close down over the pandemic and they just haven't reopened. Um, it is a broken business model. The, the child care center facility, even at home, is a broken business model. And so there's a lot of people who are just choosing not to take on that opportunity. Kaposi says she's excited that the task force is taking on a true cost of care study to better understand how much it costs to run a child care facility and how to better support them in the future. Books, DVDs, and more. Now, Sitkins can check out something new from the Sitka Public Library, board games. The library has acquired a collection of 21 board games that adult services librarian Margot O'Connell says they hope to expand in the future. 
games for all ages. We do have some, you know, specifically kids games, but we also have a lot of stuff that could be played by folks of all ages. Cooperative, classic, we have RPGs, we have some like deck building games. Um, So it's a big variety. A few of the games are familiar classics, but most are newer games that have become popular as the tabletop gaming industry has grown over the last decade. O'Connell says they can be checked out from the library for two weeks at a time. Overdue board games will accrue a dollar a day late fee. It's just us trying to make sure that things sort of stay circulating and don't end up stuck, you know, under somebody's couch for too long. (laughs) Board games aren't the only new media the library is circulating. The Children's Library program is circulating STEM discovery kits and NASA backpacks with telescopes. And soon they'll have food around the world kits, too. You know, we have all these great cookbooks, but often when you want to try cooking something kind of out of your comfort zone, there's like a piece of equipment you need or something that, you know, if you've never done it before and you don't necessarily want to purchase this or order it and it's likely not available in town. And so um, we're going to have a a variety of those for kind of different countries all over the world that would come with like what you needed to make a meal reflecting that. You can listen to our full interview with O'Connell and learn more about new library programs on our website at kcaw.org. Earlier this spring, one of the most influential producers in music passed away. Chris Strockwitz was born in Germany at the end of the Second World War and emigrated with his family to the United States, where he grew to love the distinctive jazz and blues of his new home. His label, Arhuli Records, put artists like Lightning Hopkins and Mississippi Fred McDowell on the map and fostered the careers of big names like Taj Mahal and Ry Cooter. For Sitkin Susan Portello, the passing of Chris Strockwitz was an invitation for a pilgrimage back to the Bay Area and to Down Home Music, the record store where Arhuli is now housed. KCAW's Robert Woolsey suggested that Portello make an audio postcard of her journey. Hi there, Robert. I'm sending you the song that started my journey down the Arhuli wormhole. This is Suzanne Portello. This is the Hungarian gypsy band Chokolom performing Amarisi Amari. It's good background for a road trip, or in this case, a pilgrimage. I am here in Half Moon Bay, starting on my journey by way of a series of buses and trains to get to down-home music in El Cerrito. The final leg of this journey, as with all pilgrimages, is on foot. So I'm passing by the Good Stuff thrift shop on my way to down-home music on San Pablo Avenue in El Cerrito. And it's, it's been quite a journey. So I'm here at Arhuli uh, Down Home Music Store. And in the background, you'll hear music playing, which they have going pretty much all the time here. And I'm back looking at the selection of LPs that were produced by Arhuli 
back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and it encompasses Cajun, Zydeco, country, folk, Norteño, blues, gospel, jazz, and world. Down Home is a kind of music heaven for Portello, for anyone really. Her father played the accordion and amassed an impressive collection of 78s, a vinyl record which spun at 78 revolutions per minute, which preceded the 45 RPM singles of the rock and roll era, and the LPs, or long play albums, that followed those. And who do you suppose sits behind the counter in music heaven? JC. JC, right. Anything phonetically close, I will respond to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and not to be confused with the other JC. Yes, yes, I no get it. But, but no pretensions to divinity. No. JC has worked at Down Home for the last 20 years, much of that time as co-manager. So the, the storefront actually opened in 76. Yeah. And Chris started the company in 60? Yeah, that's right. Right. That's a record company. Record company. Right. Our right. may have long since disappeared, an obscure record label promoting obscure artists, but for Country Joe and the Fish. That may sound like a jug band, but Country Joe and the Fish was a psychedelic rock group fronted by Joe McDonald and Barry the Fish Melton. Portello was there. I never personally knew Joe, but I did know the fish when um, Barry Melton lived in San Francisco. Uh I lived in the same building as he did in the Mission, and we were neighbors. As Country Joe's label, Arhuli owned the publishing rights to his songs. While no one would have considered this a gold mine, as luck would have it, Joe was invited to Woodstock, yes, that Woodstock, in 1969, where he performed rock and soul music. Rock and soul music made it into the Woodstock movie, onto the movie soundtrack, and into the money. That's why Suzanne Portello can pick up an Arhuli release of American classics like Elizabeth Cotton or Earl Hooker, or the Hungarian gypsy band Chocolom, 63 years after the label was founded, by the recently departed Chris Strackwitz. Doesn't it ever, like, smack you in the face what this history that yeah. you know about and are a part of and that this store is a part of? It's really neat. It's really neat. I really, you know, appreciate your talking to me and letting me look around. Um, I'm going to turn this off. This has been an audio postcard of Suzanne Portello's journey to Arhuli Records in El Cerrito, California. In Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. Mm-hmm.